There are times when the Bible tells us what we want to hear, and then there are times when the Bible tells us something we don't want to hear, but every time the Bible tells us what we need to hear. In most of the Psalms, we discover the comfort and strength that we need to make it through the day. And as you and I have been reading them together, I hope that you have gained the encouragement to make it through these difficult days. But then there are Psalms like the one for today. Psalm 51 stops us in our tracks and pushes us to look at things inside ourselves that we would much rather ignore. It's the power of scriptures like these to move us to confession, to push the darker truths within us to light. And like it or not, that's a really important thing to do. There once was a teenage boy named Jack, whose father was an inventor of sorts. One day, Jack's dad came home with a robot that he had invented. It had the ability to detect when a person was lying and then administer an electrical shock to the person the moment they lied. The next day, Jack returned home late from school. So his dad asked him, son, why are you late today? Well, Dad, Jack answered, we had extra classes today. Is that right? His dad said, we'll just see about that. So his dad brought in the lie-detecting, electroshocking robot and set it up on the table and asked his son again, why were you late from school today? Um, Jack said with great hesitation, we had extra classes today? Immediately, the robot zapped Jack with an electronic pulse. Oh, okay. I went to my friend's house. His dad pressed further. Oh, yeah? Which friend? David? Oh, okay. I went to my girlfriend's house. His dad shook his head. Shame on you, son. When I was your age, I never used to visit another girl's house after school. To which the robot, you guessed it, turned to the dad. Ow! The father shrieked. At that point, the mother walked in laughing hysterically at the sight of her husband and her son being zapped mercilessly by this piece of machinery. In between her laughing fits, the mother said to her husband, It doesn't surprise me that he takes after you, she howled. After all... He is your son. Do I even need to say? (laughs) In the middle of these beautiful, poetic, and comforting psalms, Psalm 51 comes to us like a lie-detecting robot, zapping those parts of our souls that we would much rather keep hidden from other people. Thank you very much. And... To punctuate the power of this psalm, we remember the backstory behind it. Psalm 51 is one of the very few psalms where we have a very clear idea of what is happening in the background. We know the story. I mean, we, we read the story from 2 Samuel 11 back in March when we learned about what King David did. It involved Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. And the shock of it all is not just that there was adultery and murder. I mean, that's not surprising. Other people committed those sins in the Bible. The shock is that this is King David that we're talking about. He he is hands down the most 
highly regarded king in the whole Old Testament. I mean, his predecessor Saul never had an affair. His successor Solomon never committed murder. But the great King David, the the one who was glorified above them all, committed some of the most harmful and most violent sins in the whole Bible. I think it's the Bible's way of saying that none of us, not even the most pious appearing among us, is impervious to sin, especially now during a pandemic when our our moral compass may be compromised by anxiety or, or fatigue or the strain of facing the unknown. We are all susceptible to sin. When I was a youth, I heard a preacher once say that there are four conditions in which we find ourselves most susceptible to temptation. And they can be remembered with the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. We are most prone to sin when we are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. I've remembered that ever since. And, And when I find myself in any one of those four situations, I know that I have to be on guard because the temptation to compromise my convictions is greater than usual. But what's interesting is that this tragic story of David would add a fifth word to that acronym and make it HALTS. For it is when David was successful that he was most tempted to sin. At the start of 2 Samuel 11, David and the Israelites had just conquered the mighty Aramean Empire. And we get the sense that David had reached a point where there was just no challenge anymore for him in conquering other people. When springtime rolled around, he didn't even bother leading the army to battle. He was so confident in their victory that he stayed home to rest on his laurels and enjoy the spoils of his victory while his general Joab led the army instead. The biblical principle here is that just because things might be going well in your life, does not mean that you can let your guard down in your daily battle against sin. In fact, you may be the kind of person that is most vulnerable when you are feeling most confident. That was David's problem. He had become so used to conquering and controlling that when he saw Bathsheba, he saw her as another acquisition and saw her husband as another conquest. Sin blinds us into thinking that we can handle power and control. Remember what the serpent told Adam and Eve? If you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. That's the temptation. So in the very next chapter, the prophet Nathan comes to him like like a lie-detecting robot to zap him with the message. You are the man, David, who is guilty of a grave sin. And so we have Psalm 51, David's confession. You know, in a way, we're we're kind of left to wonder if we would even have Psalm 51 in our Bible if Nathan hadn't shown up. Would David have even confessed his sins if they were never brought to light? We might wonder that about David, but we do not have to wonder that about ourselves. This Psalm invites you to a, a preemptive confessional to come clean before God and others before your sins come to light. And you might even use these words as a template for your own confession. Say something like, God, I know my sins. Have mercy on me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Create a new heart in me. You know, whenever you see the word heart in the Bible, remember that the ancient world understood the heart as encompassing the whole of a person's being. 
David did not just ask for a change in his feelings or his emotions, but a complete reboot of his values and his perspective and his behavior. David said, God, you desire truth in my inward being. Teach me wisdom in my secret heart. And I think this is why David is more highly regarded than Saul and Solomon and every other king, even though he he did some things that were worse than what they did because of Psalm 51. It's not just that David confessed his sins. It's that God graciously forgave him and helped him to make things right. See, that's the thing about confession. It's painful, it's necessary, but it's also liberating because it reminds you that you are not as powerful and in control as you think. And there's freedom in that. I learned this lesson the hard way a few years ago. Back when I was living in Cherokee, Iowa, I committed a crime. The story goes like this. One day on my way back to the church, I stopped by a gas station on the south end of town to, to pick up a bottle of iced tea. The attendant rang up my purchase, and then he looked at me, and then he paused, and then he said to me, you need to know that you drove off last week without paying for your gas. What? I said, completely incredulous. You're kidding. I did what? Yep, he said. Apparently, at some point the prior week, I had come in and pumped gas, and then I'd driven off without paying for it. And he recognized both my face and my vehicle and was certain that it had been me. I was completely shocked to hear the news. But but what he said next totally floored me. He said, I just wanted you to know that I paid for your gas out of my own pocket. I was stunned. I thanked him profusely for not calling the police or reporting it as theft. I mean, I quickly imagined my name in the next Cherokee newspaper's criminal report. And then I thanked him again. And then he said, it's okay. I knew you would be back here someday for me to tell you. So I covered you. I walked away from that conversation feeling the most sheepish I'd felt in a long time, but I was also filled with immense gratitude. I had not gotten what I deserved, and this man had given me something that I could not earn. That is exactly what Jesus has done for you, and all you have to do is receive it with repentance and gratitude and a desire to love and serve him. I think that's why Psalm 51, for all of its sober and solemn confession, ends in such a beautiful and glorious way. I invite you to read the rest of Psalm 51 later today, and you'll discover that David changes tone starting in verse 15. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. God does not leave us to wallow in our sin or bathe in the afterglow of our worst mistakes. God indeed cleanses us with hyssop and creates a new heart in us. And the only response that is worthy of such a gift is praise and gratitude and thanksgiving. So give confession a try this week. Watch out for the moments when you are most vulnerable and give it up to God. Because in return, God will open your lips and you can declare God's praise. It's my prayer that during this offertory time, you might use it to not only offer your financial contributions to God through the church, but also offer your confession so that on the other side of this morning's offertory, you can join in the praise of God 
through the singing of the doxology, one of the great pieces of worship literature in Christian history. I'd like to pray for you, and then we will observe the offering together, following the typical ways that you can give, online or text or mail. And then we will join our chancel choir in this beautifully produced virtual rendition of the doxology, which you are invited to join in as our closing song. So here's our closing prayer. It comes from the Presbyterian Church, USA. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen.